Under the theme, The Way Forward, the Bahamas Budget 2022, presented to the House of Assembly on May 25, 2022, by the Minister of Finance and Prime Minister, the Honorable Philip Davis describes, according to Mr. Davis, his administration's strategy to continue to rescue the economy and put the country firmly on course to economic development and growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of C-File Talks. I am Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments here at CFAL, and joining me in studio today are Lachelle White, Investments Manager, and Angelo Butler, Senior Analyst here at CFAL. In today's episode, we will discuss Bahamas Budget 2022 announcement and summarize the key highlights presented by the Minister of Finance and Prime Minister, Mr. Philip Davis. So as I mentioned the theme for Budget 2022 is the way forward. And according to the Minister of Finance and Prime Minister, Mr. Philip Davis, this budget will put the country firmly on course to continue to rescue the economy. What are some of the general highlights uh, in Budget 2022? Well, the Prime Minister um, started off by announcing a pay raise for civil servants and then um, in subsequent days, they came back and said that the pay raise, the increase of the minimum wage, sorry, would also be extended to the private sector. Um, the budget was focused on giving Bahamians relief in this time of um, high inflation and, you know, fuel prices have gone up, food prices have gone up. And the prime minister um, basically said that he wanted to help Bahamians during this time. And so he also announced um, some decreases in customs duties, um, an increase um, in the exemption amount for real property tax. Um, but basically, I think he started off the bat with the increase in minimum wage. We don't have much details on it yet. Um, it may be somewhere between $250, but um, we don't know yet. They mentioned, the government mentioned that they are waiting for negotiations with the union. Yeah, I think it, um, you know, overall, I, I believe it was a social budget. It, it looked at um, providing support and assistance to um, those in need. So, you know, there's not a lot of real, I would say, large policy changes or um, direction changes per se in terms of infrastructure or anything like that. Um, you know, he mentioned three central priorities, which were to help with the cost of living crisis. And so you see in some of the stuff Lachelle mentioned, the increase in minimum wage, some duty reductions, um, some increased exemptions um, on things like real property tax. Um, also, the creation of jobs and opportunities in the in some sectors of the economy. And I think we'll get more information on that as the budget is debated. Um, and lastly, to address various security issues. Um, to make communities and homes safer. So those were the three um, central priorities. But, you know, largely what I would say, um, you know, from and it's important to understand that the government's, a lot of the government budget is relatively fixed in terms of salaries and pension payments. So the government only has a really small allocation where they can really make changes on the capital expenditure side. Um, so for the most part, I would say it's, you know, most of the status quo. Um, with a bit of increased um, social assistance given the environment. Yeah, I particularly like how he outlined the three 
priorities. Like you mentioned, um, Angelo, cost of living, um, jobs and expansion, and um, also security issues. So I liked how he itemized those. And I think he hit the ball out of the park as it relates to the cost of living in trying to alleviate the burden and the pain that a lot of Bahamians are experiencing as a result of the, of the cost of living. And in the other areas, I guess we will get into those areas um, as we proceed in the podcast. So let's discuss, though, some of the economic highlights in Budget 2022. I think you saw a summary of, you know, how the economy was um, performing. Um, of course, the government, you know, spoke largely about their time and since their time in office, how things have grown, how tourism have, you know, we have seen some recovery. Um, you know, there's always room for improvement. We're still a long ways from um, pre-pandemic level. So you saw some, you know, summarization of that. You also saw how revenue performed, how expenditure um, is performing. You know, you also see in the budget, the projections of next year and how the economy is expected to grow, where GDP will be, debt to GDP and all of those. So, you know, they gave a nice summary, I think, of of where we've come from, where we are. Um, and like I said, we'll probably see more of where we expected to go, what will be prioritized from an economic perspective going forward. Yeah, they did also um, mention the decrease of VAT from 12% to 10%. And the prime minister did say that, unfortunately, it came at a time of very high inflation. So persons were not able to experience the benefit of that um tax decline because prices basically just went up almost simultaneous with the tax decline. But yeah, they basically gave um, an overview of what um, the this current state of the economy since last year. I think it was, um, it was a, a difficult comparison because, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. So of course, everything should be going up and we have seen increases and in improvements in tourism numbers, which have Cause and of course an increase in revenues, but I think that we still have a way to go with controlling expenses and controlling our overall debt. Yeah, the prime minister did say that the reason for reducing the VAT from twelve to ten percent was to reduce the overall tax burden on Bahamian. But I think this is a zero sum game situation here because later down in his uh, communication, he also spoke about how. Even though they reduced the VAT rate, they still increase the VAT uh, receipts. So, which means that yes, reducing the VAT rate overall, and I agree with that overall to ten percent. And I've said this many times. I think it should stay to ten percent and and not um, be increased. But in reducing the, the the VAT rate, it brought relief to some persons. But then adding it on to those items, those breadbasket items, those necessity that we all need. You know, I remember watching Sesame Street and they would, when you had that, that example of a loaf of bread, a stick of butter. These are all essential. But the fact that the government now can say that, hey, we reduce VAT to 10%, but our VAT receipts overall increase, it means that, you know, someone is suffering while the government is excited. So I think it's a zero-sum game, and I think it is having an impact on a lot of persons who need those um, breadbasket items. And I think the hearing the um, prime minister as well explain um, that, you know, it, it, it's always mentioned about the bread. But like you said, there are other things, the medications that people really need and other foods that were, you know, people need. I thought the government would have caved and, and actually reduced it 
remove it from those items again to you know keep some sort of goodwill with the um, Bahamian people. But then I also saw where the government said that they were reducing duty on items so that hotels can benefit in some form. And you know it's kind of contradictory because you're saying the hotels are benefiting from you know the exemption on the bread basket on bread, but now you're giving them other duty exemptions that you know. So you're you're kind of penalizing. Um, you know, average people to try and target them when I think you could probably just target, I don't know if you could consider something, you know, have retail bread for individuals and commercial bread somehow um, for hotels as opposed to just making um, everyone pay to try and target this one sector. But like you said, overall, prices are up. So if the government is charging a lower tax on a higher tax base, then just naturally the revenue will continue to increase. So, you know, the government... We'll feel good about the revenue, but like you said, it is coming from someone and, and people are feeling it. And also, I mean, I I know um, they mentioned about how, you know, the restaurants and the hotels were getting exam- exemption for bread. And so now they are getting their fair share from these persons. But then what happens then is the price of these um, products will go up. And so the, the small man or the average bohemian still suffers because now they walk into an establishment that's selling bread and the price for that product or that food item is, is definitely going to be increased because of the added taxes. Um, another area I want to mention on the state of the economy is um, the government um, is excited that for the nine months um, that they were in office, that the the debt to GDP number has declined from a little over 100 percent under the previous administration to 87.5 percent. So I wanted to see if debt had slowed, like maybe um, debt went down, and so that's why this number is looking so good. And what I saw was that actually borrowing increased, but our, our GDP was um, increased as well, uh, increased as well to eleven point two billion compared to the nine point nine billion during the time of the previous administration at the end of twenty. Um, 20. So I think we have to be very careful about that, that, you know, I've seen successive administrations when the, the, the F&M and the previous administration came to power, they did adjustments to that GDP number, and that was increased. And it made all of the debt ratios look better. And I've read something where there are some adjustments that are going on now. And then you're making these debt ratios um, look better. And it could deceive people into thinking that our fiscal position is better when it's actually not. Because we are continuing to borrow, but we are just adjusting that bottom number. Now, when that bottom number goes up because of growth and development in the country, that's a good thing. But if that bottom number is just going up because of some adjustments that are being made, I think that can create a problem down the road. So our debt to GDP um, number is looking better primarily because of adjustments. Yes, there may be some growth because the economy is opening up now and you know, people are, are working and economic activity is continuing. But how much of that GDP number is really because of that and how much of that is because of the adjustments done by the technocrats? I think that's important to, to look at. So what are some of the strategies in Budget 2020 that are intended to rescue the economy? Um, they mentioned, um, um, Prime Minister Davis mentioned, um, that they would be increasing real property tax collection um, and compliance. And they also mentioned um, growth in fees and 
and improved that performance. So basically, they're planning, it seems to me, in my opinion, that they're planning to rescue the economy based on taxes and not really any sort of specific growth measures. And that is not going to be sustainable um, in the long term. So I don't think, I didn't see anything that really stood out to me. They did mention that they were increasing real property um, taxes, um, the minimum amount to 120, from 60,000 to 120,000. But again, I don't think that's going to um, garner any sort of exorbitant revenues um, to um, improve our fiscal position. So I think that we do need growth. There was not um, much focus on growth. It was just sort of we're adjusting taxes here and there, we're reducing duties here and so forth, but nothing really to come out and say, this is, you know, we're putting this plan in place and this is going to help growth. And Because growth really is what you need to rescue this economy. You can rely on taxes. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it's pretty much a, you know, status quo with some slight adjustments, um, you know, a bit more increase in taxes on those who can afford it a bit more um, to provide some relief to um, those who are in need right now. And, I mean, we have to acknowledge that we are in a very difficult time. So I think the government is, um, you know, trying to keep the economy, I guess, open and, and coming back and, you know, not trying to disrupt anything that could possibly trigger something that sets us back. So I think they're trying to, you know, and this is probably the way governments are looking around the world. You know, we're trying to keep afloat um, right now until the broader economy, the global economy catches itself, all of the inflation start to subside, um, and then we can get back to some sort of normalcy. And I think it's also important to note that um, the Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Mr. Davis, did say that even though Budget 2022 represents important initiatives, um, it does not represent all of their efforts. So I will be listening with keen ears to determine what uh, the other ministers are putting forward to rescue um, our economy. And I think that's how we have to look at these budgets. You know, this is just an announcement by the prime minister or what we call it the communication by the prime minister, almost like the frame. And so then we have to listen out for the other ministers to go get into the meat of stuff. What additional measures are you going to bring forward to really, and our economy needs rescuing, to really rescue this economy? Because if our fiscal position is not at the best place, then all of these social initiatives that we are doing will come for naught because we cannot continue to borrow and rack up debt for non-productive assets. We have to borrow. If we're going to borrow, we need to borrow for those things that will help us generate revenue down the road to continue to support these very important social initiatives. So um, speaking about social um, initiatives, what are some of the social support highlights in Budget 2022? Um, he, the prime minister mentioned, um, increased pension support for senior citizen. And he also stated that, um, funding for NGOs would be increased, um, by 10% across the board and for religious organizations, um, properties, they won't have to pay. They'll be exempted from paying value added tax, um, on their properties. So that was, those were the ones that, um, he mentioned in the budget, um, I think, like Angelo mentioned, this is basically a budget of social support. You know, we're going to increase the minimum wage. Um, we're going to provide um, 
support um, in social services. So I think that basically right now, it is like you say, Pam, it is a, a rescue budget. So you're trying to rescue people. But if you say that this is the way forward, I don't think that we're gonna, well, the future is not looking bleak if this is the way forward. I think that this is a budget, a good budget of right now, but we are going to have to um, come up with some newer ideas in order to fully rescue this economy. And on that exemption for religious organizations, trade unions, civic organizations, barrel society, I am hoping that the Ministry of Finance will, because I get the impression that they were accruing um, real property taxes for these organizations or their properties. So I'm hoping that they back that out um, of that. And then I don't know why... Um, Religious persons appear to not want to pay taxes. You know, the Bible says to render the Caesar or the Caesars. So I think you need to pay your way. Maybe not, maybe um, not as much as other um, persons in society or companies that are generating a revenue on a consistent basis. But I don't think it should be a problem for for the people of God to want to pay taxes. Yeah, um, I guess too. If you, you there too, you could provide incentives to say, you know, in. Instead of paying property tax, if you provide community programs or, um, you know, you can show where you're doing things in the community, then perhaps it offsets. But one um, social support thing I noted was the RISE program that keeps getting mentioned, right, whereby they want to transfer person's funds to an account or some sort of card rather than the pick up a package um, type of thing. But I think the problem is we've been hearing that that will be introduced since the election. And, you know, if you increase the VAT and you said, okay, the, sorry, if you added the VAT back on breadbasket medicines, if your plan was to transfer funds to those who really need it, you should already have had that in place rather than, because right now these people are at the mercy of what's going on. And a lot of people are on social media and so forth complaining about it. So, you know, I think you need to get that going now. A lot of people say they don't go to um, social services now because they don't give you anything. It's, it's much more difficult than when the food program was around. So, you know, we keep hearing we will introduce the RISE program. We will. But I think you need to get that in place as quickly as possible. And I think they need to have proper accounting for that program. Because what we tend to see is that when you have these government-controlled um, um, or government initiatives, um, you know, money goes missing. They are not, you can't find records. They're not a proper accounting. And I think at the end of the day, it defeats the purpose. When you want to take scarce resources to really help, it, it, it ends up that the people that need the help don't get the help that they need, but then we are short on the money. So I really believe that um, when, they, when they bring this program out, they should have proper accounting um, to go along with the program. So, Lachelle uh, and Angelo, what are some of the tax highlights in budget? 2022. I know we mentioned some, but what other tax highlights um, um, did the, the Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Mr. Davis, uh, mentioned? Um, well, Mr. Davis spoke about um, improving the revenue enhancement unit. Um, I think this is a popular one. We've heard it before. <laughs> they always, we're going to improve the revenue so we can collect more taxes, collect more taxes. Again, taxes are not going to grow the economy. But um, they are going to um, improve the revenue enhancement unit. They're going to also impose a, the 75% tax on the um, assessment um, for high-end properties, which are exempt from property taxes. He mentioned that, um, properties that are in a, in a rental pool. And I think that they also, he spoke about um, the taxes um, 
on the yacht. Um, he did mention the, that they would be reducing custom duties on certain items, but he didn't um, get into any sort of details. So I guess we'll have to wait until the budget debate to see um, what exactly those items are. And there's also the, um, you saw information about exam, not exemptions, but why the government would provide up to 40K um, in terms of a refund on any sort of, um, you know, construction services for first-time home ownership or even um, renovations. You also saw an increase in the exemption um, for your property tax from 250K to 300,000. One issue that I want to make note to, and I think it goes back to these ambitious projections. So um, what was mentioned was that revenues up to March 2022 stood at $1.84 billion. And they're projecting that by the end of this fiscal year, which is June 2022, that revenues will be $2.45 billion. That is aggressive. So they are projecting that they're going to collect about $600 million in this last quarter. I think that is really um, 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 aggressive. And I think we have to be careful of these aggressive um, forecasts because if you don't make it, you're already locked in your spending. And so that deficit that you're telling us that we will get at the end of this fiscal year is probably going to be much higher or higher than it is. And I think that's that's one of the big problems. We the, the spending, we, we always look at the revenue side and, and we know there's variability, but we have these consistent increases um, in spending. And I do, I do know that the government, um, because they brought another resolution to borrow some additional funds <clears throat> in the current fiscal year, and they said that, you know, a lot of that is due to arrears from the previous administration. So we hear this every five years that the previous government left us a lot of bills, and they also want to bring forward some arrears from the next um, fiscal year. And so, um, you know, it is it is a scary thing. Um, the fact that the expenditure consistently goes up and we have these revenue measures and aggressive projections and when they're not met, they have real world consequences on us. Definitely. So what are some of the job and business support highlights uh, mentioned in budget 2022? Uh, Mr. Davis mentioned that um there would be small business support of about $50 million per annum. And this would be via entities including the Bahamas Development Bank, um, BAIC, uh, the Venture Capital Fund, as well as the Small Business Development Center. And he um, also mentioned um, to increase um, capital market access for businesses um, that they would provide funding because normally banks don't really provide funding um, for small and medium-sized enterprises. And he also mentioned the increase of circulation of the sand dollar, which is the central bank of the Bahamas' currency. And um, basically, I guess, to, and that would serve like the underbanked um, businesses, especially in the family islands where a lot of the larger banks have left. Um, that would be a way for them to collect sand dollars. It would be a cheaper way for them to transact, um, to make business transactions. And I think on the job side, you know, you have, you have some of the large projects. I think that's the bread and butter for the government from a jobs perspective. You know, the renovation of the Grand Lucayan, the Carnival Cruise Port, um, the hospital that they expect to build in 
um, Grand Bahama, the Grand Bahama Airport. And so I think the jobs thing will continue to be driven by foreign direct investment um, and those, you know, anchor type projects. You know, we spoke about the importance of key infrastructure in order to spur economic growth. Did you see any of those infrastructure highlights in budget um, 2022 that will will lead to um, an increase in, in economic growth? Um, well, he did mention um, the Family Island Fund, which I thought was um, very interesting. And I think that that's a long time coming because we have um, basically taken revenues out of the Family Island and just sort of um, left them to rot. Um, so this I mean, may sound harsh, but he mentioned that they would be taking up 10% of the revenue collection. I don't think it's enough, but it's a start. And putting that in a trust, um, and that would be specifically used for the family island development. And I I liked I liked that concept. However, um, he didn't give um, much more details than that. So I think, and I think that's the issue with the government. They they announce these projects, but then you you hear and you hear oh we started this, but you never get any reports. You never get anything. Well, how is this doing? Um, but I think that that was interesting. Um, he also mentioned the re, um, building a new prison, um, and I guess that would create jobs. I think I'm not sure how. I think the old prison is very very old, so I think that that's a good thing, and that perhaps um, create jobs and have um, more. Um, more um, opportunity to, um, instead of just having people locked up, you could have um, more opportunities for them to actually, you know, learn skills and everything while they are in prison. So those are two um, that stood out to me. And I think you love to, you know, when the Minister of Work speaks on on his contribution, see exactly um, where that funding is going, you know, we tend to call a lot of things capital expenditure that are not really... Cosmetic. Yeah, like painting or, or doing landscaping at some building. You know, that's not really capital expenditure. So um be interesting to see, like, what they prioritize. I know the former government, you saw, like, a lot of bridges and family island type of infrastructure. So it'll be interesting to see where this government goes uh, from an infrastructure perspective. I agree, because I, I, I noticed that so far for... Um, the, this fiscal year up to March 2022, they are they they are under their budgeted amount for capital expenditure, and I think in the the Progressive Liberal Party's ten point plan, they stress that they would use the capital expenditure allocation for real capital expenditure projects that will generate um, revenue and generate income down the road. So I'm hoping that um, like. Angelo mentioned when the Minister of Works makes his presentation and the other ministers, we will see where they will use up the money in the capital expenditure for real infrastructure projects that will generate uh, revenue down the road. So did you see anything in budget 2022, any highlights on uh, reforming for the healthcare crisis and the education crisis that we are experiencing um, today? Well, he mentioned um, insurance for catastrophic health care. But I think that um, on the flip side of that, you should also focus on preventative health care um, so that it doesn't get to the point where you need, where people have um, catastrophic diseases. So he um, he did mention that. Um, I didn't really see anything else. I know that they're planning on building the hospital in, in Grand Bahama. But again, sometimes we announce these things and then you don't really see how they pan out or you don't get any updates on any real sort of updates on them. So we'll, it's a wait and see. 
Yeah, so, um, and, you know, it'd be good to see, I guess, too, we'll see when the Minister of Health um, discusses this, you know, how the renovations at PMH are progressing as well. Um, you know, we there seems to be a current bed shortage, and, you know, COVID has not really had that hospitalization effect, but um, we're still backed up. And so I guess, too, we'll see where they're going, you know, in terms of renovating clinics, um, PMH, you know, whether they're going to just continue to expand that or, as they promised, or suggested build some new hospital in both Grand Bahama and New Providence. Um, but you're also seeing, you know, Doctors Hospital rapidly expanding um, all throughout the country. And so, you know, what does the government do? Or is there any sort of partnerships and stuff to deliver better health care? Michelle and Angelo, we have come to the end of another episode of C-File Talks. Thank you so much for contributing to this discussion. As we conclude, I want to make note of Mr. Davis's statement that even though Budget 2022 represented an important part of the government's overall strategy to grow the economy, it does not represent the entire effort. So maybe the thing that you desire, audience, to be addressed was not mentioned in the Minister of Finance and the Prime Minister Davis's Budget 2022 announcement. Hopefully, if it is important and essential to advancing our economic development and during debate that will begin this week. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit our website at www.cfile.com and show your support. Thank you, Cfile, for sponsoring this episode. Until next time.